So I'm here with Cathy Omadias from Anorak magazine and Cathy you've brought a slew of magazines <laughs> in with you and um, so I know you as Cathy from Anorak and then Cathy from Dots mm -hmm. uh, but I see you're now also Cathy from Hello Hole and another project so um, tell us how all this started. Okay, well first of all thank you very much for having me, I'm really pleased to be here. Um, so Anorak started 10 years ago, I had worked throughout the 90s, I had worked in magazines like The Face and Sleaze Nation and since a child I always had a passion for magazines. I travelled around when I was a kid and magazines were kind of my companions, I know it sounds a bit sad but they were my companions. And um, after I had worked um, in the magazine world in the 90s, I became a mum at the beginning of the, of the year 2000. And I decided, I looked around at the kids' magazine market and I couldn't really find anything that I would be happy to buy or even read with um, Oscar, who was um, a young child at the time. So I looked at the kids' magazine market, found that most of the magazines were either tied up with a brand or a cartoon character. So they felt like extension. Off, uh, instead of a real product and an object to read and cherish and everything else, which is how I saw magazines. So I thought, I'm just going to launch one. You know, I've always had magazines in kind of my DNA, so I was really waiting, with a bit of hindsight, I was really waiting to, to get that aha moment for me to launch a mag. It could have been a women's magazine, it could have been a teen magazine, it could have been another, The Face. But then it's when I looked at the kids' magazine market that I just thought, okay, this is definitely the, the magazine that's missing in, in the marketplace. And I always wanted to have something that was fairly useful. So I didn't want to launch just another pointless um, magazine to fill the shelves. I just wanted something that was different. And that's how I kind of started Anorak. So that was 10 years ago, which I always... Um, joke that in the kind of magazine world it equals roughly about a thousand years <laughs> but um, so that's how it started and for the first kind of five years of Anorak it was really a project um, it was something that I did kind of weekends and evenings I mean it had a, it had distribution you know we were borders at the time we had support from brands like H&M um, so it was a little 
kind of project. It just wasn't a business. It didn't. Uh, it, I wasn't really interested at that point in it being profitable or being a business at all. And I remember when so Stack will be ten years old yes, next year. Yes, I've, I've thought of that. And I remember the evening when I came over to your flat. Yes. And picked up several hundred copies, yes. probably, of Anorak, and then drove them back to my place. <laughs> Because that's how distribution used to get done. Exactly, yeah. I remember that day so specifically because I was a bit... Um, my house was literally, my flat was literally filled with boxes and it had that particular smell, that very vegetable ink kind of smell. So I, I remember well. so so specifically. So yeah, that's how, kind of how it started. And then kind of five years into it, I thought... Do you know what? I mean, we had some really good press. Um, we had a really good following with bloggers and things like this. And we were doing really well. And I thought, maybe I can turn this into a business and, and um, see how it works. And um, I did. And there's kind of three big chapters in, in the kind of history, if you like, of, of Anorak and what we've been doing. Obviously, the, chapter one is the launch. Chapter two is turning into a business. And then the the bit that we've just started really is chapter three, which is kind of beyond the magazine really and doing other things, um, other magazines for other people. And it's kind of all about growth, I guess, and consolidation. So yeah, these are the three things. So what was it that made, what's enabled you to get to that stage, that third, that third stage? Because the majority of magazines that start up, they last for maybe a couple of issues and then they fall away. So yeah. you, you've stayed the course for 10 years. Yeah. What's different? <laughs> a lot of grit and extreme, being very, very stubborn and um, a lot of passion, ultimately, and a lot of fun. You know, I have so much fun creating Anorak. And it is a lot of work. There are a lot of people who come on board with us and just... That's when I realised that, you know, the pace is very frenetic because I don't realise it's like that. I just, I just live it every day and I find it, you know, it's a passion. So you do the hours that you have to do, you create as much as you can. So I think it's a lot of passion. I'll, so that's kind of the personal thing. I think from a product perspective, I think Anorak has lasted because it's so unique and different and it really feel, fulfills some kind of need. I think um, despite the fact that the kids' magazine market has changed for the better in some ways, um, it's still very, very pol- polarised. All the magazines that you get are kind of stuck in the sort of, you know, in the Middle Ages a little bit. It's very much boy versus girls it's batman weekly barbie monthly it's still very much like that and it's and it's very polarized it's, it's very gender focused even though they, the mainstream magazines now try not to be like that as much so i think it was it is because it fulfills it generally fulfills a gap and uh, fills a gap and fulfills a need. I think that's that's maybe what it's lasted from, uh, you know, from people buying it. And also, it's got a renewable audience because even though our readers grow grow up, some of them have actually started working for us, which is really bizarre. It makes me feel extremely old, but also very grateful. Um, but you know, even though some some grow older. Um, there's a new generation that comes along and actually who is even more used to have wanting culture that's unisex and things that are fun and things and definitely young parents want something that's a little bit more interesting than just you know the kind of run of the mill Barbie, Batman kind of thing. So, So this is interesting because one of the things that all magazines have to do all the time 
is find new readers mm -hmm. but you have to do it by definition because you have a specific age range in mind so mm -hmm. how do you go about finding new readers um i have to say i don't know <laughs> um the, the thing is behind if anorak had if sometimes i took time to have a bit more perspective or have a bit of a strategy I'm sure Anorak will be even more successful than it currently is. But I, I genuinely don't know. I think um, parents refer us to other parents. Social media has been a huge driver in Anorak being a success. But how it renews itself from an audience perspective, I genuinely have no idea. I think it's a, it's just there in the ether. I'm always surprised when, you know, I still get, if I get 20 orders a day or 200 orders a day, it's still the same amount of gratitude that I have towards this and I always feel where on earth do people find us I don't, I don't know I mean I can look at stats on my website and things like this but fundamentally I think I think it must be word of mouth because if it's something that I can't really quantify then it, it must be that um, and you know we're not in that many shelves anymore because we've kind of reduced drastically on our distribution network now we only really distribute to, um, in indie shops and museums so I don't know. I think it's just there, neither. I don't know. And so it sounds like that was a decision then to to uh, rein in your distribution. So what was yes. the thinking behind that? So when I started turning the magazine, this project into a business, fundamentally I was I remembered I remembered that back in the old days in the nineties, you know, you had to have your magazines in as many shelves as possible because that's the only way people could get hold of you and see you and discover you. Um, but I think distribution was slightly healthier back then. I don't know if it's because there was less magazines or whatever it was, or because the internet wasn't there, and therefore people really relied on going into shops to find anything. Nowadays, distribution is um, it's really, really tricky. It's massively challenging, and often you don't have any direct relationship with a distributor, especially when it comes to overseas. So when I turned the Anorak project into Anorak a business. I started obviously printing a lot more, sending out to tons of uh, news agents and all sorts of places. My distributor would say, I need 5,000, 6,000 editions. I would blindly, blindly send them across the world. And then, you know, we would get back three, four months later, we'd get back some figures that were massively disappointing. And then I'd walk into news agents and shops and try, well, not across the world, but, you know, around, around here. And I'd walk into them and find them you know, Anorak's behind another's pile of fashion magazines or it'd been in the... I, don't, I found some... some Someday I found one in um, in the hair section, so I'm not entirely sure what that was there. Anyway, so I started getting... I'm very precious and protective about Anorak because obviously it's a lot of effort that goes into it, and I started getting more and more annoyed, to be honest, with this. And I thought, OK, well, I have an amazing online audience that grows and grows organically without us having to spend any money or anything like that, so I'm going to focus on that. And now we've got to a point where the sales are so great online that actually we were able to decide where we would distribute. So I thought, you know, I'll support the people who support me and I'll support the people who care about my product because I also care about their shops. So we sold in indie shops, we sold in museum shops, in places where, you know, the product is really nicely displayed. And we also sold in amazing magazines shop like you know, mag culture and etc. Because they have a real care for what we do and they understand they're the perfect pa partners. And I really don't 
you know, want that, I never want to go back into the kind of the crazy run of, you just have to print as many thousands as possible just to fill massive containers that go across the world and just to end up on shelves. Or sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I don't want to go back into that. What I'd love to find is um, distributors, local distributors who have the same care, you know, in other countries. So I'm looking at the moment for... Um, a distributor of some kind in in North America who would, you know, maybe it's a book distributor because they tend to have uh, more of a care, I guess, for products than a lot of the magazine distributors have. Um, so I'm looking for one there and in Australia at the moment. But that's mm. how we will do. We will look at local distribution with people who, you know, understand what we do. So the idea is to build out Anorak in this controlled way. And yes. in the meantime... You're also now up to issue eight of DOT. Yes. So DOT eight has just come out and the issue is, the theme is space. So DOT was launched two years ago. Um, I have this disease where I just want to launch <laughs> magazines all the frigging time. And actually, I don't know if you remember, but about three or three years ago, I announced to the world that I will launch a teen magazine and then I never did. So that's what happens. Now I've learned my lesson. I don't announce launches anymore, but I launch stuff. I launch magazines. That's what I have to do. Um, so... Two, three years ago, three years ago, I was thinking, oh, I need to launch another magazine. I need, I need, I need. So I decided, I thought maybe the teen magazine world definitely needs a kind of anorak, to be honest, um, because there's nothing like that out there again. But then I faced a mountain of issues. You know, it, it was probably, again, it was basically the same issues I had, as I had faced 10 years before with anorak, which is it's never going to work. It's unisex. Are you crazy? Unisex magazines can't work. Um, it's kind of ageless. It should be either 12 to 15 or 15 to 17. Boys are not into the same things as girls. I mean, I faced a mountain of problems. And to be honest, I thought, okay, this is going to be my downfall. I have to rein back. However, in the meantime, lots of parents were emailing me and saying, can you please do a younger version? Because we young parents, we love Anorak, but Anorak is way too old for our young a young child so I thought you know what for once I am actually going to listen to <laughs> to the market demand rather than just launch anything for the hell of it so um so that's what I did you know we had um lots of parents emailing us and um I met Anna Dunn at the time who's Dot's mum and um she we started creating this little character one of the things that I should say Anna's the designer she's not, the designer. not literally the mother of the particular <laughs> character She's the designer, yeah. She's the illustrator and design and designer on, on, on Dot. And um, we started creating... A lot of people had said to me in the past that they would love Anorak to be a character. And Anorak is a character, but he's, never, he's very rarely in the magazine. He kind of lives somewhere else. So I thought maybe for Dot we'll create a character, something, you know, an interesting little chap or that, can, that does things and, and kind of represents and encompasses what Dot is really about. So that's how we started. We started with this character that has a kind of Dot-like head and a haircut that all you know kids of the 70s and maybe 80s as well had, which is a kind of bowl haircut. And um, that's how it started. And it was the response has been, I have to say, phenomenal because we sold 10,000 edition of the first issue. And, you know, it took Anorak like six years to even do that um so i'm i'm super grateful it was you know if i had known i would have launched at dot first <laughs> well, <laughs> right, but you live and learn well you know dot is standing on the shoulders of giants you, you've <laughs> done is. the hard work there <laughs> and so you, you talk about the character of dot and so you have this very iconic um 
I guess, kind of like simply rendered character. Yes. Is this also a learning from what you've seen elsewhere on the newsstand where actually it's useful to have a character because that's something that can be branded mm-hmm. and sold and you can do other things with it? Yeah, that's that's true. And I've taken that. I think with the younger kids market, it's it, it does... If you have a character, kids engage with it uh, a lot, a lot better. Having said that, to be honest, we had um, we have another couple of characters in Doc called Mr. and Mrs. Twig, and they're basically little twigs, and they go off on holidays they together. Have, they have insane stories. They I, have really I read lovely. these stories to my son, <laughs> and I, I'll get halfway through. I'm like, "Where's this going? What's the, <laughs> the Mr. and Mrs. Twig are in bed together. What, what's happening?" <laughs> But they're just a lovely couple. They're just a nice couple. They just happen to be twigs. <laughs> anyway, and um, we didn't run them for two issues because, you know, we just forgot and we had other other stories. And I received tons of emails from people saying, where's Mr. and Mrs. Twig? We want to know whether they're going to the beach next <laughs> it was just, It was hilarious because I thought, wow, the power of characters is actually incredible. I always looked at it in a kind of very cynical way. So, oh, here we go you know, we'll have dot the toothpaste next and whatever else. But actually, yeah, there is something about characters that you attach yourself to. And, and you know, we haven't done dot the toothpaste and we will never do dot the toothpaste. Um, you know, it's just a way to communicate things and to kind of engage children with. Um, there are some issues where, you know, I forget, as I said, to actually, you know, I have to think, oh my God, this is dot talking. It's not another character talking. So it, you know, it's, there's nothing really cynical or strategic behind it. It was fundamentally, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should listen for what some people say and then see what happens. But it's been, um, yeah, it's been great. And so you're, you're taking the stuff you've learned from those things mm-hmm. and now you're also applying them to projects for yes. other people. So, so the, this is Studio Anorak. Yes. Which is kind of your agency side, I guess. Yes, Exactly. And the the big thing that I saw coming out was Hello Hull. So I'm so I'd, proud of Hello Hull, although you say Hull a lot better than I'd say Hull. So <laughs> I'm not qualified to say Hull properly. Um, I'm so proud of Hello Hull. So throughout these kind of 10 years, we had been doing some work on the side with cultural associations or even fashion brands. And um, it struck me last year that maybe I could put this into a kind of a little studio and see how that went. So we launched Pseudo Anorak about 18 months ago as a kind of an official thing. And last year in May, I have no idea why the stars were aligned. We suddenly had tons and tons of briefs coming through. And one of them was Hello Hull. And Hull is the city of culture this year. And um, they got in touch and said, look, we want to create a magazine similar to what Anorak does um, for primary school children celebrating the city's history and heritage and also celebrating culture and having fun and I was like tick 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 that's us pretty much us so it was it was a dream brief and it's still a dream brief um so I went up to Hull back in November last year and we started talking about content and um issue one was great um it was like a tentative issue because you know when you have a new relationship with a client we just never know we, we try to figure out who what was you know what kind of thing we liked and what kind of thing was appropriate and and you work within kind of brand parameters as well but um it was great and it's been so it was so well received by teachers who use it as materials and by kids i mean it 
in, and we don't do anything, we don't test anything. Anorak has never been te- focus grouped or tested, neither has Dot. So for me to get that sort of feedback from children who, you know, just just love it, grab it, keep it, and do exactly the things that we would love them to do, to do it with, it's just been phenomenal. Issue two was an absolute pleasure to work with. We now, you know, both Hull and the City of Culture, the team are just really great people to work with and we are both on exactly the same page if i may use that expression and we just have so much fun with it really great fun so that's one we did a proof of concept last year for one of the biggest character that warner brothers own which i'm not allowed to talk about i'm dying to talk about it but i'm not allowed and um so that was an amazing um, project too because that was very very branded, you know, very within the confines of a brand and a character that has history. And then the Scouts Association got in touch. Uh, We did a few activity pages for them for their scouting magazine. And then they asked us to create a log book uh, slash activity book for the beavers who are the six years old to come in first to the Scouts group uh, movement. And they, this it's a book kind of it's a book sort of magazine format where they can record all the adventures they have um, during the, their time at the beavers um and they had these games and etc so yeah we i'm just blessed i feel blessed that we're able to do other magazines for other other brands it's a very different process but it's still a very enjoyable process and so what does the future hold for all of this <laughs> um i'm just hoping that we'll keep doing that on maybe slightly bigger scale i guess i don't know i'd love to just keep doing magazines i'm we're working now on issue three of hello hell and i'm already thinking oh my god there's only one issue to go because obviously it's a one year thing um so i just you know we've got two other museums that are talking to us at the moment about doing activity books and I think for me, it's, it's almost like a validation of all the stuff I've been banging on about for the last 10 years about kids' creativity and having fun, you know, playing and learning and thinking and learning and playing, all of that. It's a validation that actually this stuff that we did as a kind of happy accident, as a very instinctive thing, um, as an instinctive kind of philosophy is is actually you know being adopted now and you know cultural associations and Thai cities are looking to us for this so it makes me feel really 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 proud and I'm going to start I'm going to be very arrogant now so maybe we should stop there here <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time I've had anyone end an interview on me but thank you Kathy very much <laughs> thank you thank you for having me